Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, Rangers podcast, the podcast that now officially has less clean sheets than Rangers. This week on Heart and Hand, come on the cartel! So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host and I'm joined this week by long-term associate co-host, the second in command, my my right hand, which means he's been up to some fairly unpleasant things lately. Yes, it's Mr. Scott Vandenacker. Hello, and by second in command, there's a big, big drop-off after command. A long, long way. That's all I can... I can say it in all honesty, a long, long way be- between Scott and, and here. So, Scott, what have you been up to this uh, these these last two international weeks? I know that you're a huge, huge fan of the national team and all that goes with it. Well, on BT Sport Extra, ESPN 72 HD, they had paint drying. Yes. And it was fascinating. So I watched the paint drying competition and, um, you know, are you trying to claim that you're not someone who follows loyally to Azerbaijan and these other places, whatever it is, that the national team go? Well, my national team, I suppose, I've got two national teams, which is Scotland and Holland. And Holland are <laughs> in their worst run of form for about 50 years. And Scotland are Scotland. So not very glamorous at the moment. I wish I was Brazilian, or at least had a Brazilian. I've said this before, you're a fucking jinx. Me? Well... Who could I start supporting? England, I'll start supporting England and hopefully they won't win it. And they might, when you look at the array of talent they've got, like that guy up front, another one. Yeah, that, that Harry Kane team, as they're known. Um, it's, but he's, actually, he's good. Harry Kane. Do you think he's a Rangers fan? I hope so, but unfortunately, yeah. he, he seems to be a Spurs fan, which is a, which is a drawback. Uh, I thought maybe he'd have any CV late in his career, 
itchy wanted to scratch that kind of thing maybe not maybe not no uh, there's something to something to an ambition to have we do have a, a striker at the moment um, that we'll discuss in a little while uh, or rather somebody's agency but let's start with Friday night Friday night fixtures uh, before we talk about what transpired uh, with the Friday night fixture what are your views on them as a whole because uh, we, we, we seem to play quite a few of them these, these days I think we play too many of them I like them I think it's good for atmosphere, but we, we're involved in too many. I think they should vary it about, maybe Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs. I think we've had four already and it's, you know, eight games in. Mm. I think it's too much for the supporters' clubs and it's too much for the fans who are leaving from work. And I think the fine would give us a wee break for a while. That's probably my opinion. Okay, doke. Well, moving on to the match itself, we go up to there. Now, it, it threatened, I thought, to be a potentially tricky match because St Johnston have been... As I mentioned on the preview, they've finished in the top four the last three seasons. They are a decent side. They'll be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And they're apparently taking offence at uh, something Pedro had said earlier in the week. So it, it promised to be quite a tasty match. But in the end, Rangers, I thought, controlled the game, got the goals at good times, and then in the end ran out fairly deserved, comfortable winners. To be honest, it was a lot less feisty, as you say, than I thought. Mm. It was quite a routine win. And I know you intend to come on to this later about the joys of routine wins. Absolutely. Which is something that we haven't really... It's not something we've experienced enough of. And I thought St. Johnson was shit... Or terrible, sorry. Almost so. Um, you know, we weren't much... Wait a minute, why are you caring about swearing? Since when have we ever given a fuck about swearing? Well, when we first started, you told me to be aware the F word. Bomb. That was seven years ago. To be, in case it's... And you've suddenly remembered... I don't get sponsors now, like... No, we don't. No, we okay, don't. I've just remembered after... <laughs> after I've just lost them. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, fuck off then. <laughs> Big giant fannies. Um, <laughs> um, um, I thought Johnson were fucking shite, mate. Yes. Honestly. Um, yeah, they were, they uh, were. But you I know, thought it was easier than I expected. Yes, but you, you're one of these fans, big man, who does have this tendency that if we don't win, you say we are rubbish, and if we do win, you say the opposition were rubbish. Yes, I think if you watched the game, it was a really low-quality low game for the most part, but we were better. And unlike last season, which is all we can judge it on, there was none of this heart-and-mouth terror. It, at no stage did I think we were going to lose the game. And th- that was OK, because a bit of a laugh- lack of excitement is fine if you're pretty safe. And I thought we'd won it from quite early doors. Um, and as I say, we will move on to routine wins. Uh, and I thought it was one of those. I was it was surprised by how little St Johnson were up for it, considering how they hated us apparently beforehand. I thought we pretty much coasted to a victory, David, coasted. Should we not then, the fact that we did impose ourselves to such a degree on the match, the fact that we were able to control the match and, as you say, blunt St Johnston to the point where, after a lot of big talk about how they were going to be flying out the blocks against us, we managed to shut all that down. Uh, in a you know, Friday night away game, they were bang up for it, live on TV, everything was set for a battle, but we... we just squeezed that match, and I thought that a key part of that was Graham Dorans and the and, and Jason Holt actually, but but Graham Dorans especially in the midfield, where you're right that the, there maybe wasn't as much quality in the final third as we were like, but we had absolutely closed the back door and won the midfield battle. I felt crucial also was the fact that when St Johnson managed to get a cross in, 
there wasn't the usual utter terror that, that last season's 40, 50 games brought us. Mm. Um, we just headed it away. And again, it's this thing you're not used to seeing. A cross would come in and we'd head it away. He thought, oh, oh God, that's right. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm. And um, yeah, Dorans was brilliant. Holt is an interesting one because people have decided that Jason Holt surplus to requirements. So what that means is when Jason Holt has a good game, it's always underplayed. You know, That's I thought point, Jason yeah. Holt was really good. Dorans was utterly superb. I think we're starting to see now what Dorans has uh, been bought for. Yes, Dorans did a great first game, and then in the middle, something wasn't quite right. Hmm. Dorans was fantastic on Friday, absolutely fantastic. Um, and the way you'd want him to be, he switched play, he kept the ball, he joined the attack, he also screened the defence. You could tell he played at a higher level for years. Yes. And it was the first time in a while it was obvious that he was better than a lot of the players around him. Yeah, I thought so. And I, I thought that. I think he's coming in, Tiggy. I thought he, he played well the week before as well. And I think that he's he's starting to relax and just play his natural game. Whereas initially I thought he was maybe trying a little too hard to impress and he was trying to do everything. And I think that when a midfielder, just especially a midfielder, just relax as we saw it a lot with Warburton where we had players who were trying to do too much try to do things they, that they weren't capable of and when they just relax and do what they're good at then you begin to see the benefits of that and I think that Dorans is doing that and it, you can't be a controlling midfielder and a box-to-box midfielder and a late-breaking midfielder it's unless you are Iniesta you, you can't do all that you have to just take a step back and say Right, I'm I'm gonna do A to C tonight rather than A to Z, but I'll do it really, really well, and hopefully that'll provide something that the team can the team can build on. And I thought that Dorans did that well, ably supported by Jack, uh, by Jack. See, I'm so uh, caught up in the caught up in Ryan Jack mania. Ably supported by Jason Holt. And I think that's a really good point that because he was a stand-in and because he's been a a player that that, that was, let's be honest, a Warburton player. In, in the new era people were kind of just waiting for him to finish but he, he showed in his sub-appearance at Hamilton and then the other night that he can be a useful player for us but moving on to a point you made there Scott and I think it's a very good one we conceded 16 corners now that sounds bad and I suppose in a way it is but it, it, they were a lot of them came from blocking crosses which as you know is a real bugbear of mine when teams don't do it especially when Rangers teams don't do it and then 16 corners under Warburton meant 12 goals conceded, let's be honest. Whereas the other night, yes. it didn't. The other night, as you say, there was a confidence. And Alves was excellent. It was one of his best games so far. But I also thought Fabio Cardoso stood up really well to the challenge. And for the first time since maybe the, the kind of maybe the Dunfermline game, I thought, oh, no, I can see what this boy's about. He's got two major flaws to his game, David, at the moment, as we know. He lets the ball bounce too much when it's coming out there, and as someone said last night to me uh, at football, he, he's quite prone to pushing the back. Like you know these silly fouls right in front of the ref. Yeah, he's really prone on the edge of the box, and he just pushes someone over. And you think, why on earth did you do that? But yes, I thought he was really, really good on Friday. He's young and he is still learning, but sometimes it looks like he's never played defence. And other times, he said some games this season where you think he's the future of our back four. Yeah, yeah. He'll be, he'll be the captain. And like so many of our players, and that's the thing because we're still learning, trying to bring the squad together. There are players that are, at the moment are going from sublime to ridiculous. And he's one of them. 
And he probably needs a few more games with 7 out of 10 yeah. rather than 4 or 5 or 9. And I it goes back to what your point was, though, about routine, doesn't it? It goes back to exactly that, the kind of sasa pa patch, to the 7 out of 10 every week, because it will be enough, and you can't expect a player to play at his 100% every week. It's just unrealistic, unless you have the very top players, and clearly we are not in a position to do that. But if you've got guys who can go out every week and give you a minimum 7 out of 10, that will be enough in, in the SPFL for us. That will bring us more victories in run-of-the-mill matches, and then hopefully they can step it up when we do have the trips to... Parkhead to Tynecastle to Petodre. That's what you're hoping for. Uh, and as I say, that you you might call it the Sasa Papach model. And I would like to have a Sasa Papach model. Mm. And can you buy them? No, because I don't. I don't. I think you might put it to illicit uses. I think you might do things to it that in co-op, you know, show me on the Sasa Papach model where he touched you, kind of thing. I don't, I don't are, you going, are you going back to me being your used up right hand? Yes, yeah, there's just there's an area that we probably shouldn't go into. Um, but we've already went into two or three tonight, so what the fuck? I suppose it doesn't really matter, does it? I uh, don't want to go into Sasa Papach's area, though. I don't want to go into. Well, you know, you, you say that, but I bet you after he put that penalty away, you'd, you'd quite like to have touched Sasa Papach's special area. I'd have taken one for the team. <laughs> you take one from the team that night. Let's be honest. Oh well. I, I also can I say one thing before we move on. To, obviously, we need to cover routine and a few of the other players, including the player we're obviously going to talk about. But do you know what I saw the other night? You and I were watching the Milan derby. Yes, excellent, wonderful game of football, crackingly good game. But for the first time in a while across Europe's leagues, I actually thought that Inter. It's not a million miles from what uh, Pedro's trying to do. Now, they've got much better players, but if you look at it, it's a rugged defence, who are very good at heading away set pieces. They vary, and they try and get the ball quick forward very quickly at times, and they always try and get the ball wide to cross into the centre forward. Mm. Now, I know we can't compare players, but I've watched Bayern, I've watched Chelsea, I've watched the EPL. The closest I've seen to what Pedro was probably trying to do, actually, strangely, is Inter. And if some of the people don't watch much Italian football, watch, they play for sort of 3-3 three, three, and they play two wide players they always get it wide to them as fast as they can and they're not feared of getting it forward very quickly either like sometimes the long ball and they also play two quite rugged midfielders and a skillful one and it's just interesting it was almost like something like what we're trying to do it's the first time I've actually seen someone else adopt that um, it's interesting though that yeah. you, it's interesting though that you're breaking that down to a four three three. Whereas I would say at the moment I can see where your argument would come in, but I think it, we tend to play more a four four one one currently. But but are you saying that you you think that it's? I don't. Are you saying that it's a case of that it's meant to be a four three three? It's just looking like that, or are you saying that it's a flexible system that can go to a a four four one one or a four three three when we have the ball? I think it's a four-five-one when we don't have the ball, but I think Windas and Candias are meant to get up when we have the ball, and I think they're meant to look for it wide, as if they can get it and get it across as soon as they can from where else. Which is what Inter do. Inter have two fantastic wide players who do support the fullback. They fall back, but they're instantly looking for the ball the minute Inter win possession. They're looking to get the ball wide. Mm. Yeah, and I think. We have problems in the fact that we, our left side isn't as strong, obviously, and I, I'm not really a Windass fan, but 
yeah, I think it's a four-five-one becoming a four-three-three. I know you're saying about. I'm about to talk about this. Where does he fit in? What does he do? But <laughs> I, who is this? But I do think it's it's the midfield is a three with one holding, one covering everywhere, and one up front. But the one attacking midfielder has, as you've alluded to, and we're about to talk about now, become a striker, really. And I don't know if that's a plan. Let's talk about the man himself, Soglo. Yeah. Let's have it. He's an odd player, isn't he? Um, Because that's four goals and six. And you cannot deny that he's contributing because he, he, of course he is. It's there in black and white. He's in the stat books. And the two finishes the other night were beautiful. I mean, fantastic, but not easy. And he made them look easy. He made them look effortless. For the first goal to the control on it, the the timing of the run was perfect. He arrived exactly where he should and controlling the finish, absolutely beautiful. Then the second goal, exactly the same, sees what's happening, peels off perfectly and then just guides the header exactly where it needs to go to be a goal. And then other times, he traps the ball further than most players can kick it. Uh, Or he'll try to... There was though an interesting start that apparently... He he gives the ball away, or sorry, he fails to complete a pass less than I think probably everyone in the squad, according to the the stats guys. Yet it doesn't feel that way sometimes. It feels like he gives the ball away constantly, but the stats don't back that up. And like I say, I think he's a conundrum of a footballer, and maybe we just have to accept Scott that this is a guy who, for eighty-seven minutes of a match might do absolutely nothing except drive you mad. But in the other three minutes of the match will produce moments of sublime quality that other people on the field simply aren't capable of. I, I just hope it doesn't weaken the midfield because I was my friend uh, Gibby, who was at the game, he said, look, he's a second striker. It was obvious to everyone at the game. He comes alive in the box. His mm-hmm. finishing was superb. But when he drops back to be part of the midfield... Some of his passing and control is, as you said, it's like, I don't know, it's like he he's won a game through Make-A-Wish Foundation. It, it's hard to see the footballer, but then in the box, backing up Morelis, it's, he comes alive. And as you say, it's almost a goal a game. And I, I don't know what we do with him. I'm just hoping that the fact that he, he comes alive in the box and he's so far forward all the time... I hope against better opposition. Like we're playing Aberdeen back to back, we're playing Hearts and Hibs soon, and I wonder if they'll spot a gap between him and uh, Dorans and Jack, presumably, and maybe exploit it because he's either been a little bit ineffectual or he's in the box trying to bang in a, a goal. But maybe if you've got a player like that, Scott, with that ability, because it's the old cliche, but it's true. It's the hardest thing in the game is to put the ball in the back of the net, and. Here is a guy who clearly can do that, and as you say, comes alive in the box. A, a, a great, a great description, a great thing to be as a man, someone who can come alive in the box. But in general, but also for a footballer. See, see when you're at Sterling Uni, yes, you came alive in, in boxes quite a lot, didn't you? Yes, yes. After a night out, yes, uh, to, to, to my to my detriment. Um, eventually, that one kind of I don't know if I've ever told the story on here. Um, yeah, I went away to live at Stirling Uni. My first year at uni, I went away to live at Stirling Uni, uh, and I was seventeen. Uh, it was September, I didn't turn eighteen till the November. And they're, they're um, mixed dorms at Stirling, or they were certainly in the nineties. And there were eight girls in my sort of corridor, um, 
and I shagged seven of them. And I don't want to make it I was like Don Juan or anything. It's just that, you know, there's fuck all else to do in Stirling except drink and have sex with people. Uh, but it did make, by the end of the year, like walking into the kitchen, the shared kitchen, really awkward. So at the end of that year, I actually transferred to a different university when my mother gave me the fabulous piece of advice on my first day going to Strathclyde Uni. She went, you better know be at the fanny. Um, so, yes, yes. Who was the one that got away? She was not a looker um, and even drunk. No, and to be honest, my standards when drunk weren't huge. But she also she did that thing like you know, when I was really drunk, she would say, "Well, what's wrong with me?" And I'm like, "Well, right now it's the fact you're saying what's wrong with me. Um, that's kind of off-putting, you know." Can I say one thing in your defence? So she nowadays you wouldn't get away with that because you'd be guilty of the sexism. Why? Um, because apparently, said that having sex with women is sexist. No. Well, I'm not having sex with men just to not be a sexist. You have to. No, it's... I'm not. You've got me with this before, right? And we're not repeating <laughs> that. But you've got me with that. This happened before, and I'm not doing it again. But uh, I, look, Scott, we're not here to kink shame, okay? Right? We're, we're here to talk about football. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get back to talking about Carlos Pena, right? Rather than places my willy was 20 oh, years ago. Okay, well, should he get a haircut? Okay, should he get a haircut? Well, why? Because it's a bit silly. Says you. Let's not get hair. Yeah, like, you look like fucking Douglas Hurd. There's nothing wrong with looking at Douglas Hurd. Says Mrs. Hurd. (laughs) Mrs. Mrs. Hurd, right? When she's shagging Douglas, she dreams of Carlos Pena. That is a fact. Damn. Right, back to the actual game. See the see the job I have here trying to keep you trying to keep you in a straight and narrow. You're trying to get me off the straight and narrow in particular. But um, getting back to the game, surely if you've got a guy who can put the ball in the back of the net, that your job as a manager is to say, okay, I'm I'm going to allow him that little bit of space. I'm going to allow him the fact that we've got to to plan round them and we've we've got solid midfielders behind them we've got guys here you never need to worry about the work rate of of Daniel Candeas that's take you know take that off the table that guy will we need a everything. left we need a left sided Candeas by the way yes we do uh, that, we really I, do. I I think Windass is going into what I call Ian Black mode which is he's been marginally less bad and people are somehow equating that to him being good. And it's not that he's been good, he's just not been as bad as he's been. So it's like he's gone from playing 3 out of 10 to 4 or 5 out of 10, and people go, oh, he's getting better. And technically they're right, but it's still not the required standard. And again, going back to female, it's not that 7 out of 10. And I do think we need someone. And maybe, you know, when Lee Wallace is fit, Declan John could push into that role. And I think then you've got the security. And also Alfredo Morelos, who had another good game the other night, because even when Morelos is not scoring... What he does is he occupies defenders and he causes a headache. So I think between the four guys you could put across the middle and then the one guy playing you know, up front on his own technically, your second striker can be granted that bit more licence if he will regularly deliver you something special. Or, looking at young McCrory, would you consider a 3-5-2? in the sense that you'd sort of actually have Pena hanging about up front more and maybe play the forward sweeper, maybe McCrory be a forward sweeper and pack your midfield that way so he didn't have to track back and there wasn't a gap. So you're asking less of him. And as you've said about a lot of the players, 
ask them to do what they can do. So rather than him being box to box as well, he would play further forward and you'd bring the midfield forward by having, if you like, a back three with a forward sweeper. Would that work to give him the space to operate and not ask him to track back all the time? I, I think it could. I mean, theoretically, and I think that what one of the reasons why I've been, if not supportive, because I, I like the way we're playing now, and I think something that does need pointed out, Scott, is last season, the amount of goals that, that we are scoring would have taken us a month rather than a game. And that's seven away goals in two matches. Now, OK, not the strongest side in Hamilton, but St Johnson are a good SPFL team. Seven away goals under Mark Warburton was just not happening. So, yeah, we could do a lock in the back door a bit more, but at least fans are going to get the entertainment value of, of guys getting forward and scoring goals. But the, the, the reason I've been intrigued by a 3-5-2 is... I do think we've got three good centre halves. I do think that then you can cover for each other, and the the guys that we've got at full backs, I think, are tailor made to be wing backs. Then the question yep. is, the midfield, and are you going to lose effectiveness of certain players by putting players into that formation? And also, there's the when do you try it out argument. Although that we did the other night, uh, interestingly, we last ended 10 the minutes, game that way. We did. We ended yep. the game playing that way. So. I don't think it's unfair to suggest that it's something that's on Pedro's mind because otherwise where did that come from? I also think McCrory's ideal because he's not only a good defender but you notice he's really aggressive and seeing that role, if you like, almost like the sweeper but in front, mm. he was he loves a tackle, he loves a challenge, he loves mouthing into players and he's quite good in the ball and I could see if he was at the base and obviously Peña would be up front and then you could have Jack and Dorans being the two proper, if you like, centre midfielders doing slightly different jobs. I think it could work. And I think, because I think the problem we've had under Warburton, especially, you and I talked about this all last season, he asked players to do what they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And he asked the team to do what they couldn't do as a team. And I think asking Peña to score a goal a game, but then also track back 40, 50 yards when we don't have the ball every time, I'm not sure we should even bother trying to get him to do that. Why not, as you say, an attacker I don't I think maybe we try and work around that maybe we try and look at what people can do what their strengths are and as you've also hinted Declan John and uh, Tavernier are much happier bombing forward as well mm. and I'll can I say a word to Tav Tav's had a lot of shit on websites and in social media this season I thought his crossing was brilliant on Friday especially for uh, Peña's goals and a few other crosses it was absolutely brilliant to see him on form again I, I thought that he, was the the, the best Attacking James Tavernier we have seen since the initial burst uh, Friday night, I really did I thought he looked dangerous And I thought that he put panic into that St Johnston backline Every time he went he went forward And you're right, the accuracy of his crosses This season as a whole has improved, I'd say dramatically um, As as shown by the, the assists he's getting this season Yep, so it's something to think about Is maybe, and I know Pedro's keen Pedro's always talking about that, about what his players can do and try to work on formations and training based on their abilities. And I know he talked about doing defensive training during National Week based on the defenders they had and the type of crosses they fit. It's good. See, Pedro stays pragmatic. Mm. We will find a way to get these players together. Warburton never tried. And I think that was one of the success stories, obviously, of Graham Murty's short time. He got them all, he picked the players and picked them in a formation based on what the guys 
could do based on what he saw. Mm. And if Pedro sticks to that, I think the future's bright. I think it's going to be tough. Don't don't. We had to say we sheep twice, Hibs and, and Hearts, in the next short while. But to be honest, now unlike last season, you're not dreading that. No. You're not worried about this aerial bombardment or big physical teams putting the boot in. I'm a lot less wary of these teams than I was last season. I think what everyone can agree. Or I'd be very surprised if anyone disagreed, but of course you may, and you can get in touch with us. Uh, Ibrox Rocks on Twitter, Scott Hart Hand on Twitter, uh, if you do disagree. But the playing squad is better. There are better players, and there are uh, there is a better balance of a squad there, I think. Yeah, I mean, you saw a guy like Holt who played every game last year, and as you say, he's now finding his niche. He's, he's a brilliant, energetic sub, but he's playing a really good part in things. And, but maybe we shouldn't have been relying on him. Maybe Jason Holt wasn't quite the man to start every single SPL game. But you know, as part of a squad, a bigger, deeper squad, he's finding his place. There are still gaps, of course. Um, if Morelos falls down a manhole and is out for a few weeks, then you're slightly buggered. I'm not a world-ass fan. And, but apart from that, we do seem to have some cover. I mean, we're really good down the right side. We've got a few midfielders coming in. And the defence is rock solid. McCrory's been great. And Wes is having a really good season. He's hard to yes, let anything in. Yes, that's, that's a good point. He, um, he's, well, he had that start earlier that he'd conceded eight from 11, but I think that he's improved the last... The whole team has improved the last few weeks. You can't you can't deny that. Um, or was, it it your Cammy, was it your Cammy who said, though, if you looked at the goals, they were all sweetly struck. It's not like he conceded eight from 11 savable shots. No, that's a fair point. Quite a lot of them were like, the guy was through, picked his spot... Not everyone's Manny Neuer. I mean, a lot of these goals I don't think were savable. I think what he's cutting out is errors. I can't remember the last time you thought, shit, Wes is about to drop the ball. Yeah, he hasn't chucked one in for a while, that's true, and let's hope we're not jinxing him. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he he does deserve a, a word of praise, I think. Now, last thing from the game before we move on to the kind of main talking point of this week so far was the red card for the St. Johnson player. And... Uh, to me, it looked a definite red card. I thought a guy on a yellow pulled him back, and that was all there was to it. But after the match, Tommy Wright said, "Oh, you know, he went down easy." And the, after the whole Morelis is a nutter thing, which people have been trying, there now seems to be uh, in the media a bit of a campaign to say he goes down easy. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't think he tried very hard to stay on his feet. But it's modern football. Let's not. Let's not pretend that this doesn't happen with every team. The, the days of the Brian Clough, I'll book you for going down too easy, are long gone. And he was fouled. He went down. The ref, in my opinion, took the correct course of action. What is this a genuine? Is this just me blue tinted spec, Scott? Uh, and Morelis is a terrible diver, or is it yet another thing that's being invented to try and cause some full controversy around us? I think the latter. Um, first of all, have we been awarded many penalties this season? I can't. How many? Two, I think. How many, two? And both of them were pretty. No argument. Is that right? There's yeah. no argument, really. Yeah. So the number of times that Morelos has dived to get a penalty is zero. Yes. No times. And I think that's probably the stat that people should be looking at. It looks like he's dived no times to, to win an unfair advantage of a penalty. He's a good. He's a young lad. He's speaking his third language now. He's learning his third language. He's playing well. And the one thing I think about him, ironically, I would say he's opposite. 
I think he's quite a robust lad who likes to give it and take it. He loves a, t- a tussle, and I don't think he, th- he dives about as if he's been shot. In fact, I would probably say my initial opinion is that he doesn't. For a striker these days, I think he likes to see in his feet. He likes the challenge. I think he's quite a physical player. I, I wouldn't say he's a diver. I've never noticed that. I have to say I've not noticed that yet. There's some talk in the media that he's been scouted by Aston Villa, where the name mentioned. Now, some of our fans get upset by this sort of thing, but to me, it's a good sign because, let's face it, it's been a wee while since we've had a player that was worth sending a scout to, to go and see. So, if he's playing well, the fans love him. Yeah, I love him, you love him, everyone loves him. Deservedly so, because he's made such a good impression and because he is a good player. He's going to attract attention, that, and that's surely the job of a scout of a football club, is if he hears someone is doing well, especially in a league 200 miles up the road, he's going to drive and see the boy. Surely that's just football as it's always been. Well, firstly, can I correct you there, David? Um, we have got a letting agency in our office block, and two years ago they scouted him black because they had some paint and decorating they needed done. Da boom boom. I hang you Um Yes, I think also, can I also add it's the job of our scouts? Like, David's right, but it's job of our scouts to bring in players who will be sellable. And that was something that Ali didn't really manage. And even Mark Warburton, to an extent, didn't manage. See if Marielos is brought in for 900000 and we sell him for $5 million to Villa. Good. That's our scouts doing their job too. Mm-hmm. Villa scouts are doing their job. And the idea that some of our fans have that we should somehow... Not give press, not give tickets to Villa scouts. Keep them out. Lock the door. How do we switch off the TV cameras? How do we stop I, people seeing Morelos playing football? And you want you want your guy. You, you want scouts to see him. You want more scouts to see him because you want if eventually Alfredo Morelos is not going to finish his career at Rangers. That's a fact. And I'm sorry. He's a five-year deal, and he's not seen out the five years. Yes, no, um, he's going to stay for hopefully I would say two seasons realistically because. At the end of that, then it will be hopefully time to cash in. And you want 10 or 12 clubs that are regularly sending representatives to watch him. You want a bidding war. You want to be in a position to take top dollar for the guy. And then you want to reinvest that cash into the squad. And hopefully, as you say, that our scouts, well, in this case, it was Jonathan uh, Jonathan Johansson. Hopefully, he's got a few more uh, gems from Finland up his sleeve. But that that's kind of what we want our business model to be and it's the same with Fabio Cardoso you're hoping he improves um, to, to, to be at a level where clubs are coming in and we're getting 10-12 million for him that has to be what, what we want to do and it goes back to getting attached to a player it, it's going to be difficult at Rangers to get attached to players because in the main you're going to get two years out of them and I'll tell you why if they do badly, you want rid of them. And if they do well, they'll probably be sold on to a bigger league. Not a bigger club, a bigger league. And that is just an unfortunate consequence of the way modern football has gone and the position that our league finds itself in in 2017. So you might get it with a youngster that stays a bit longer. Maybe an ex- maybe a Dorans could play for four or five seasons who's come and wants to finish his career with that kind of thing. But... Overall, the idea that you're going to buy in a guy who's 23 and he's going to be there, you know, for for five years, it, it's unlikely because he is either going to be not good enough and replaced, or very good and sold on. Absolutely, and I think also that also a lot of it is, and I find myself guilty of this because of my generation. I mean, 
is the the English Championship. Villa are in the bottom half. Who the beep are Aston Villa? Mm. There's this kind of unless it's Real Madrid or Barcelona, and it takes adjustment to think. Yeah, even the bottom half of the Championship is thirty grand a week and a six seven million transfer fee. Mm. The, those clubs in the bottom half of the Championship have got more money than we do. Oh God, yeah, and, Jesus, yeah, yeah, and it just. It's a mindset thing for some older fans, especially. It's like, why would we sell a fucking the English first, second division, as they call it? You know, mm. why would we sell a club there because they've got much more money than us? That, and that's it, yeah. And and Alfredo Morelos is a young guy who's come from uh, from his home country. He's gone to Finland. I dare say he didn't grow up dreaming of playing in Finland. He's then left Finland to go to Scotland because it's a move up the way. And it would be incredibly naive not to feel that he'll be then eyeing his next move, which will be England, and then. You know, the, maybe the Premiership, then Spain, Italy, whatever. But it, it's just a fact, and we've got to be realistic about it. Except, I think, of course, uh, a true legend, somebody like um, I don't know, Dave McPherson, Stuart Monroe. They stayed. Well, you know, they did until we sold them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking Whistle. speaking of of legends. <laughs> I just wanted to do this to annoy you. Speaking David, of, did you have a shoehorn with you? Yeah, speaking, speaking of legends, Scott, <laughs> Kenny Miller, uh, well, Kenny Miller yes. was uh, not in the squad on Friday night. Pedro suggested he'd been injured on Thursday. But um, more fuel on the whole fire has been poured by Kenny Miller's agent with an Instagram post and there's everything that you should hate about modern football right there um, Kenny Miller's agent which sounds like a really shit follow up to Betty Davis eyes but uh, so if Kim Carnes is looking there's there's your, your next hit but he has come out and said it's a disgrace the way he's being treated that if they think there's a rat they should name him that it's not Kenny he's a model pro he's been fantastic for Rangers etc etc uh, now, do we believe that the agent has done this independently of Miller and that Kenny will be shocked when he when he learns of this? Do we believe that it was done, uh, suggested to be done by the agent to maybe get out a line for the press? And the the I suppose the logical conclusion of it, Scott, is is he ever going to wear a Ranger shirt again? Right. Well, first of all, I find this whole episode baffling. The the first thing I find strange is that he was banished from the first team squad with all the talk about Mole. He's the Mole. Then the press came out and said it's not him. There's a Mole, but it's not him. And he's welcome back to first team training with joyous pictures in the press of players high-fiving each other. Then the first squad was named... And he was banished again with an injury that now his agent is hinting wasn't an injury. I, you and I have talked about this before. I think, I think we talked about it a little bit. He's either the mole or he's not. If he's not the mole, if he's not the person that's been leaking things, then I don't understand Friday's banishment from the squad after rejoining training. I think, though, now, the way it's, if you get your agent to conduct a public slanging the match with the Rangers though it's only going to end one way and that is a January move yes I think he could have found his way back in I think he could have played a part now it's looking like bridges have been burned I can see Kenny Miller's point of view Kenny Miller's point of view is 
he probably saying there was an investigation. It wasn't me. I'm not the bloody mole. I was invited back to training. I made it up with Pedro. He picked his squad from Johnson and banished again. And obviously Kenny Mill and his agent are thinking clubs are going to hear this and put two and two together. They're trying to get out. He's not a mole. He's not a dressing room leak. Please buy him in January. Yeah. He's not. He's not trouble. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's it. Exactly. That's what, what Rangers are saying. Is a mixed. I don't know what Rangers are saying because. Is addressing what's being hinted here is that there's still a dressing room role that hasn't been addressed and it isn't him. And even Rangers have sort of said that. Rangers have kind of hinted as well. You said to me on, on the pod that you'd heard it was for different reasons. Miller wasn't, he'd, he'd sort of Pedro's unhappy for different reasons. And that means there's still a mole there. I, Rangers, it's been a strange episode that hasn't really covered, no one's been covered in glory. And I don't know what to make of it, but I don't think Miller will play again. No, I think he'll be moving in January, probably alone because he, he can still do a job. And seen the SPL bottom half of the SPL, and I wouldn't be surprised if something like Neil McCann got him for Dundee. Yeah, I mean, he's got six months left in his deal come January, so I agree. He's going to go, as you say, possibly on loan, but gone kind of thing. And it's a tough one because his agent was, was playing the Magnificent Servant card. And... History will need to judge that because Kenny Miller has scored a lot of important goals for us and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. But if we recall his his second departure, because his first one, you know, he'd been left out, the manager didn't fancy him, he went out and loan liked where he was and stayed. There's nothing wrong with that. The second one was in the middle of a season because he got offered a shitload of money. And the idea that Kenny Miller has loyally, with any of the clubs he's been at, has loyally went, nope, I'll do what's the best for this club, even if it's not quite in my interest, is fairly laughable. And for the agent to try and intimate that that's not the case, I think beggars credibility a little bit. I, I don't see that. And I don't blame Kenny Miller, incidentally, before, oh, what would you have done? I would have left and taken the money. He did he, he did exactly the right thing. If someone was offering him, I believe at the time it was two and a half times what his wage was at Ibrox, he would have been insane not to go and, and take it for a while, which is exactly what he did. And that's cool. That's absolutely fair. And I don't think anyone can have a problem with that. But what it means is you can't then play the I'm a very loyal club servant card. Because what you are as a professional footballer who does give his all for the club that he's playing for, and no one can ever deny that about Miller, that he has, at every club he's been at, given everything. Maybe sometimes he's not been on form, but he has given everything. But I think one of the reasons that Kenny Miller hasn't been universally loved at any of the clubs he's been at has been that streak in him where you know that he is a guy who looks after himself first and foremost. And as I say, I can't blame him for that. And he's never taken a wage on false pretenses from anyone. But he's not exactly someone who's going to go, no, I'll, I'll shut up and get on with the best for the greater good of the club because that's who I am. That That's just not the type of, of guy or type of player uh, or type of career that he's had. So I think it's just as simple as Pedro got a bit fed up with his attitude because I think... I think from what I've heard, uh, and this is this is just a theory, 
So please don't take this as gospel and say, well, Edgar said this is what happened. This is my theory of what happened. Pedro had tried to be quite close to him, had knew he was a senior pro, knew he had a lot of sway in the dressing room, and tried to keep him on side, played him consistently, even though sometimes it would have been more popular not to, with the support, and felt that after doing all that Miller's attitude when things weren't going well towards him, towards Pedro, was really poor. And that they've just their relationship has just broken down. That Pedro feels, well look, I've done a lot for you since I came here and you've never given me any of it back. And Miller feeling you're not up to the job here and you're not doing things the way I want them done. And it it it's just like in any work in any work environment, when you have that between two people and they can't work with each other for whatever reason, no matter who's right and who's wrong, that there'll be a parting of ways and it will be whoever holds more authority in the organisation at that time and currently it's Pedro. So Miller will be on his way. That's what I think has happened. Yeah, I I quite agree. And I think what today's about is, hey, clubs that want me in the future, I'm not a dressing room mole, I've got no baggage, you know, I'm not, I'm not trouble, come and get me. I think that's what they're trying to do now is... is but it does leave the interesting question of the mole, which now everyone pretty much unanimously says it's not Miller, Miller was something else, which leaves the, the leaks from the dressing room still there, but that will hopefully resolve itself. A winning, I'll tell you something, David, do you know when leaks go away in a dressing room? Yes. When you start winning games? Absolutely. There's, there's, <laughs> there's uh, very few leaks come out of a happy winning dressing room, but miraculously loads appear from a dressing room where there's, there's not been that success. So we shall see... What happens in the future regarding dressing room moles? Now, before we uh, go on to this week's Sporting Integrity Award, we are going to take a little musical break and then we're going to come back with some very exciting news. So, please, be ready. Scott? Yes? We've done two live shows this year. We have. And both of them have been for some reason, well-received. Incredibly, yes. And people have asked us when we were doing a third one. Hmm, Same people? Well, apparently, but I felt it was too soon and that we we couldn't really just go back with the same line-up. Well, then an idea hit me. I should make a signing. And what a signing I have made for the next Heart and Hand live pod at the Loudoun Tavern on Saturday the 2nd of December at 8pm. Saturday, 2nd December, 8pm, Loudoun Tavern, Ibrox. You're going to get a Heart and Hand live show featuring the Heart and Hand boys and new signing, Kevin Thompson. Yes, that Kevin Thompson. You're fucking getting it, Kevin Thompson and the Heart and Hand boys for a live pod. That is something which is incredible. That's the signing of the season, isn't it? It is the signing of the season. And, of course... Like, all our product will be free. Oh, no, wait a minute. Well, no, Um, and we have overheads, so no, there is a fee involved if you want to come. Tickets for this will be going on sale at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. And I'm not saying that to be big-headed and saying, oh, you need to... The last one sold out, the first one sold out in five hours, the second one sold out in 34 minutes. I'm saying this because if you go, I'll get a ticket for that on Saturday, no, you won't. And... 
I really strongly suggest if you want one, then you go to our Facebook page on Thursday at 7 o'clock or you go to my Twitter account on Thursday at 7 o'clock. Just search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast on Facebook and you'll find us or um, I'm at Ibrox Rocks and there will be the link to purchase tickets for this event. It will sell out. It will sell out quickly. I've already... There are just shy of 200 tickets and I already have had like 60 people get in touch with me to go, great, when are the tickets going to sale? So if you want one, please get one. People moaned the last time and said, ah, oh, David, you never told us that the, the tickets were going on sale before you did a pod. I'm doing it now. Thursday night. This pod goes out on Tuesday. Thursday night. The tickets will go on sale. Please, if you want to come Saturday, 2nd December, Heart and Hand Live Pod with Kevin Thompson, please get them because they will sell out and then don't come to me on Saturday and tweet me and go, oh, are there any tickets left? No, there, there won't be, okay? So please, that's what to do. Uh, I've said all that now and we we'll and see, we'll sell like four. But just in case, because it's, it's, I'm only going on what's happened before. I can't understand why you all want to come. This time I can because you'll be able to get pictures, you'll be able to get autographs, you'll be able to get a hug and with Kevin too if you want. Exactly. What you're going to have in that room is a bona fide Rangers legend and Kevin Thompson. Yay! I knew, I knew you were, I knew you were going, but it didn't make it any less sweet when you got there. Yes. Okay, mm. folks. So, like, oh. like I say, Thursday, seven p.m. Uh, this Thursday, seven p.m. If you want tickets to this show, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. You'll get your heart and hand uh, live pod like you you could expect usually, and of course you'll get Kevin Thompson. But you'll also get Kevin will be doing uh, an interview with myself, and uh, we will. It's like when you you know a comedian's going to tell a favourite story, but you want to hear it live anyway. You know the story I'm talking about. You want to hear it live, and you will get the opportunity to do that Saturday, December the second. And we're going to get the microphones working this time. Yeah, and everything. It's it's, 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 it's going to be going to be yeah. fantastic. It's it's going to be really professional this time. So. Uh, that's what to do. Thursday, seven pm. Heart and Hand Facebook page. Heart and Hand, well, my Twitter account for tickets. Scott, we're overrunning time-wise, so quick ones, if you will, for this week's Sporting Integrity Award. The award where we look around the world of sport and see who's made the biggest SFA of it in the last week. Okay, well, because we're running a bit short, I've got two for you, David, okay? Go on. First, Gigi Bacali. Hooray! Pod legend! He's back. But, but, he is back, he's released, as you know... From, from jail is his own team FCSB who they have to call him that because of certain legal everyone knows the story anyway he's manned from six months by the FA okay Boo, from mar- remarks made in summer okay yes he pledged in the summer pre-season his pledge was never to sign blacks from Africa because they're uncivilised brutes okay that's not very so, nice so when asked about that it's not nice but he was asked about this he said, for goodness sake, six months, I'm no racist. Blacks from Africa are educated brutes, but I signed the blacks from Europe. I signed those ones. Oh, Jesus Christ. So uh, he's learned a lot. He's a man of God now, remember? Yes, uh, he sounds it as well. But uh, that that's... He's learned a lot. Yes. Um, I think we should probably move on quickly. We will. To Crazy. Crazy Liska. 
it's all gone wrong finally for Serie B coach of Piranha in Brazil, Crazy Lisca. As you know, he kept getting called crazy by everyone, okay? Mm. And last, when I told the pod listeners last time, he was imploring people to stop calling him crazy, show me respect, don't call me crazy again. He's been called crazy again, David. Those bastards. He punched his assistant manager in the face. Why'd he do that? He just had a fight with him on the training ground and he's been sacked. The club said, Liska has gone this time. It was a day, a day we can only describe as being a day of fury. Yeah, I don't think we can argue with that. So crazy Liska is so crazy that he's finally been sacked by Piranha for this time punching his assistant in the face during a fight. And I think he is crazy. And I think his denial and his plea to not be called crazy may fall in deaf ears. Slightly gone out the window. Well, you know what they say, Scott? It's you shag one sheep. Exactly. I think he is Crazy Liska. And let's face it, David, see when his name was Crazy Liska? Yes. No smoke without fire. Absolutely. It's a bit like, you know, if you meet a girl called Crystal Chandelier, she's going to be a stripper or a country singer. Yes. Um, And you're always hoping the former... Well, it depends what she looks like, I would have thought. Well, uh, congratulations, Crazy Liska. As you ride off into the sunset, you can at least do it with this week's Sporting Integrity Award. Okay then, folks, thank you very, very, very much for listening. Um, my name is David Edgar. I have been your host, and I've been joined this week by the delightful Mr Scott Vandenacker. It's good to be back. It's good. And honestly, so many pods, I'm losing track myself. But this is the pod. There's a preview pod. There's Scott's thoughts. There's telescopes. There's periscopes. There's horoscopes. It's all go. Yes, there is. There's loads of places you can find us, actually. If you want to go to our new YouTube channel, then just go and search for Art and Hand. Subscribe and you'll get all our videos, uh, including after-game recaps, a whole lot. You'll get their stuff there first. And also, if you missed a pod previously, they'll be up there as well. If you want Kevin Thompson tickets, you know where you need to go this Thursday, 7 o'clock, and get those tickets. And uh, I, I think that's pretty much it this week. All that remains to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers. My name's David Edgar, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Cheers, bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.